Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Asset Allocation Report for July 3rd, 2023. I'm Phil Adler. Economic data lately can seem unusually confusing. Even though inflation has raised the cost of living significantly compared to two years ago, the economy, measured by gross domestic product, continues to grow. And the unemployment rate remains low, even as some big companies announce job cuts. And while economic indicators point to a slowdown in the months ahead, the stock market doesn't seem to believe it. Confluence market strategist Patrick Thurin Hernandez is here today to talk about one data point that seems maybe bullish is the wrong word, but certainly these numbers do appear to be very strong. Patrick, we're talking today about private non-residential construction. What do the latest numbers show? Well, hi, Phil. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And to answer your question, the monthly data from the Census Bureau show private non-residential construction spending has really started to boom over the last six months or so. In January through April specifically, spending on this proxy for commercial construction came in at an average annualized rate of more than $632 billion. This spending has been up more than 20% on a year-over-year year basis every month in 2023 so far. And in April, the spending total was up an astonishing 30.2%. Those are big numbers. I'm a little surprised. Doesn't this category include office buildings and shopping centers, which, which have fallen on hard times? Indeed it does. The overall category is really broad, including not only office buildings and retail structures, but hotels, parking garages, warehouses, hospitals, sports facilities, and all kinds of non-housing commercial structures. Now, outlays on many types of office buildings and retail structures have indeed been weak, but our analysis suggests that a big part of the increase in overall non-residential commercial spending has come from factory construction. In April, expenditures on factory construction were more than double their level one year earlier. So breaking it down, factory construction accounts for the strong overall number. What industries are leading the way? This is the really fascinating thing. We can see that the increase has been driven by manufacturing facilities for electronics and information processing goods. Outlays on those factories in April were nearly four times their level one year earlier. And that makes a lot of sense. We think it's entirely consistent with all the recent reports about new manufacturing facilities for electric vehicles, electric vehicle batteries, semiconductors, and other green technology and advanced information processing goods. Does some of this increased spending simply reflect higher costs for labor and materials? Sure. We think some of the increased spending is just because of higher wage rates and inflation, but that can't be all. Remember what I said, spending on factory construction has doubled over the last year, and spending on electronics and info processing factories has almost quadrupled. Those increases are far above any reasonable estimate of inflation for broad construction inputs. So most of the increase in expenditures must represent real increases. Why are we seeing this new spending now? 
We're pretty convinced that the spending increase is some of the first statistical evidence of U.S. reindustrialization. In other words, the rebuilding of the nation's manufacturing, construction, and mining sectors as companies shift production back home from Asia or elsewhere. As geopolitical tensions between China and the West worsen, and as Chinese economic growth slows, we think the U.S. will be a key beneficiary of companies' nearshoring or bringing production back home. We've been writing a lot about that in recent years, and now we think we're seeing some confirmation in what's really happening. Is this anything more than a transitory trend? Well, that's the crazy thing. Even though the increases since last year have been huge, we think this trend is only getting started. Over the last few decades, U.S. and other Western companies have put an awful lot of production capacity in China and in other countries that now are considered risky. There's a lot of capacity that's likely to be brought home now, especially since there's bipartisan support in the U.S. government to de-risk or bring back critical production assets from broad. As they say, we think the trend has legs. Well, how long do you think new factory construction might continue at its present pace? I suspect it could keep posting some pretty eye-popping percentage increases for at least a few more months. After all, U.S. factory construction has been pretty lethargic for many years when the incentive had been to put new factories overseas. That means the increases today are coming off a pretty low base. Eventually, as the base expands, the percentage increases will moderate. When it comes to dollars spent, however, we think it can stay pretty big for quite a long time. The overall arching trend of homeshoring and bringing production back home is likely to continue for as long as the U.S.-China tensions continue, and that's likely to be a long time. Patrick, does the Inflation Reduction Act passed last year account for some of today's spending? We think it has helped, along with some other big legislative initiatives over the last couple of years. If you count all the spending and the subsidies included in the Inflation Reduction Act, the Chips and Science Act, and the Infrastructure Act, and the new increases in defense spending, it all amounts to hundreds of billions of dollars of incentives for factory construction. Given how slow bureaucratic and administrative processes can be, we doubt that much of that spending or subsidies has been put to work yet. We think the bulk of it will hit only later. That's another key reason to think that this trend of new factory construction is likely to last a long time. So, Patrick, bottom line, can we make the case that some of these companies building factories have been reading and paying attention to what Confluence Investment Management has been saying for months now, that the breakup of the world into economic blocks creates the need for onshoring many of these industries? Well, we certainly hope we're being influential, but in any case, the fracturing of the world and the need to make supply chains shorter and more resilient is quickly becoming accepted wisdom. As that realization sets in, even more companies are likely to go down this path of building new production facilities here in the U.S., and that includes foreign companies deciding to locate factories here as well. Patrick, just a few more questions. First one is, could a continuing rise in interest rates in any way stall this growth in factory construction? 
We do think the higher cost of money could slow the trend, as could the recession that still seems likely in the second half of the year. All the same, the driving forces behind this trend are pretty strong. So we still think the trend will continue and maybe even accelerate when interest rates start coming down again and when the economy looks like it's coming out of recession. And at the same time, though, this trend toward onshoring industries could actually cause higher inflation, right? Yes, this trend is likely to put upward pressure on prices in a number of ways. For example, in the near term, the strong demand for construction workers will probably buoy wages and help lift personal income, which will help maintain consumer demand even if the economy slips into recession like we think it will. All this construction activity will also support higher prices for other construction inputs as well, from construction machinery to cement. In the longer term, remember that we'll be producing more goods here in the U.S. where wage rates are higher than in China or other less developed countries. As good as the new factories may be, they'll probably still have higher costs and be less efficient than many of the factories we relied on abroad during the heyday of globalization. Going forward, that means costs and prices are likely to be higher than we're used to today, and inflation and inflation volatility will also be more noticeable. Patrick, sum up for us. What are some of the positive economic trends that might emerge as a result of this surge in factory construction? For one thing, Our supply chains are likely to be more resilient than in the past. If there's some kind of international crisis, such as a war or another pandemic, we should be better prepared to maintain our standard of living and reduce shortages. And the new economic environment is likely to offer more and better opportunities to workers who don't have a college degree. Of course, Modern manufacturing is very sophisticated, so someone coming out of high school would still benefit from a year or two at a community college studying some kind of technical skill related to manufacturing. Even today, there's a huge shortage of those kinds of workers. But overall, there should be more opportunities for all kinds of workers and less pressure to get a four-year college degree. Patrick, you mentioned a recession still seems likely in the second half of the year, but do you think this strong factory construction and the resulting creation of new jobs might delay or even prevent recession? I personally think it could delay the recession. It might even be one reason why the recession still hasn't hit, even though we and a lot of other analysts have been expecting it for some time now. All that spending that's already happening is likely supporting personal income and making up for the loss of income by the technology and financial people being laid off these days. All the same, the big energy price hikes and rising interest rates over the last few years have really hurt the economy. So we suspect all this factory construction would merely delay but not prevent the recession. What investment sectors are most likely to benefit from all this new factory construction? We think this reindustrialization will provide a boost to several different stock sectors, especially in the industrial sector and and some related industries. Besides broad industrials, we think construction companies and the service providers that serve them will see a lot of new business. In addition, providers of construction materials and equipment should be big beneficiaries. And finally, perhaps even real estate investment trusts that focus on industrial properties like warehouses should be worth taking a look at. 
Last question, Patrick, are there investment sectors that look less positive because of this trend? We think two investment sectors look worse off. First, since so much of this new reindustrialization amounts to rechanneling investment out of China and its bloc, we think the trend is a threat to China, Russia, and the other members of China's evolving geopolitical and economic camp. Think of it like this. While we're rebuilding our industrial capacity here in the U.S., and to some extent even in Europe, that'll likely leave China with excellent excess capacity, stunted growth, defaulted loans, and other challenges. Separately, we continue to believe that because of the way this new investment in the U.S. will be higher cost and less elastic than in China or abroad, it'll likely go hand-in-hand with higher inflation, higher interest rates, and higher volatility in both. That's likely to be a big headwind for bonds going forward. In fact, we still think bonds are likely heading into a prolonged bear market. Thank you, Patrick. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Be aware that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. And this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our audio engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Antler. 